Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we talk about kicking ass after age 50 with Zane Griggs. Many times with your diet, you're eating in a way to improve your performance in the gym or performance with a certain sport. So you're really like high fuel, you're rating it by a short-term effect for that performance, which I understand. And for athletes, that's great. But for the general aging public, I don't think that's gonna work. And so for longevity, you need to be thinking about how does what you're eating and what you're doing affect certain markers in your blood work, like your fasting insulin or the amount of visceral fat you're storing around your organs. How's it affecting your blood sugar, your blood pressure? Those are markers where I think we need to be bringing more in the forefront of fitness than the weight on the bar. You know, body body scans and blood work, body scans and blood work, right? Should be superior to bikini bodies and, you know, your bench press. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper. Hope you're having an outstanding day today. Today, we bring on for the first time on the Keto Camp Podcast, Zane Griggs, who wrote a brand new book called Kicking Ass After 50, along with Dr. Ken Berry, who's a friend of the show. And Zane just laid it all out for you today. We get into Zane's backstory. He started lifting weights back in college, did the dirty bulking, taking uh, toxic supplements and doing whatever it takes just to put on size. But he, he realized there's a difference between health and wellness and longevity goals and muscle and gains. And there's a big disconnect there. We discussed that. We discussed why so many times we've seen bodybuilders, CrossFit athletes get really sick from something like COVID or some sort of aneurysm or some sort of heart disease or cancer. Why? They look great on the outside, but they're so inflamed on the inside. So how do you have it all? How do you look fit, feel fit, and also focus on health and longevity? And that's exactly what Zane's going to talk about today. We're going to extract some of the golden nuggets from his brand new book called Kicking Ass After 50 why longevity goals are better than fitness and performance goals and why you could have it all. We'll talk about lab work to order, body scans, and why it is important to monitor your lab work and looking at the optimal reference ranges versus the standard reference ranges. He's going to outline the three most important pillars for health, longevity, and fat loss. So make sure you stick around for that. We discussed the calcium score, the importance of scoring zero. Zane is primarily carnivore, and he recently did a calcium score 
and you're going to hear what his results are. You know, most doctors, conventional doctors will hear about somebody who's over the age of 50 who eats mostly red meat and they go and do a calcium score, which is measuring the calcium in your arteries. They would guess that that person has some calcium built up. Is that true? Well, Zane's going to share his score. We're going to talk about testosterone injections. What are the pros and cons of bioidentical hormones? We're going to debunk some of the myths surrounding testosterone, why there is a time and place for it, but too many people are looking for shortcuts, how to do it the right way, how to do the proper research. So we're going to dive deep into hormone replacement therapy and testosterone replacement therapy. And then, of course, we have more principles that we extract from his book, Kicking Ass After 50. Go get his book. It's available right now. We'll put a link for it in the notes down below. Like all episodes on the Keto Camp Podcast, you can watch the video format on YouTube. Head to youtube.com slash ketocamp to check that out. Let's take a minute to acknowledge today's Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This is a five-star review from Bimster titled, Love This Guy. Most grateful for his presentations, knowledge, and wisdom on helping people like me to know and understand steps in my personal life to better health. Love the book also. Thank you so much, Bimster. I'm so grateful you read the book, you listened to the show. Love you right back. Thanks for listening and for taking the time to leave that rating and review. If you have not left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating or a review yet on whatever platform you're listening from today, please take a minute to pause and leave that rating and review. It really does help the show grow, helps us reach more people, and essentially, you could help us change more lives. Maybe I'll read your review in the next episode. If you didn't listen to yesterday's podcast release, that was a very important release all about weight loss resistance as it relates to toxicity. I laid out a whole bunch of research showing that these chemicals in our environment create obesity, weight gain, weight loss resistance, and even diabetes. They have classified a new set of toxins as diabetogens. This leads me to my 90-day heavy metals detox program that is about to start and we just have a handful of spots left for it. So who is this for? This is for somebody who has done keto, done carnivore, done fasting, doing exercise, taking all the supplements, but they still don't feel well. They're still having trouble losing weight. They still have brain fog. They still have digestive issues. It's a toxicity issue. And I'm going to show you how to clear the toxins the right way with the overall goal of reducing cellular inflammation. And we're going to test for that as well as part of the program so you could actually reclaim your health once and for all. This is what I have spent a tremendous amount of money learning how to do on myself. And now I'm teaching it for a fraction of the cost of what I spent. So if you go to ketocampdetox.com, hopefully you are hearing this on time because we only launch this program twice per year. And this is already the second time we're doing it. So we're probably not going to do it again until next year. Go to ketocampdetox.com, camp with the K. Check it out. We have a handful of spots left. We're starting very soon. Go register your spot. And I hope I could show you the way to real detox. Okay, let's have a, an amazing conversation with Zane Griggs. Zane Griggs is an author. He's an optimal health and longevity consultant. He's an expert in the field of health, focusing on preventing diseases, slowing aging, and living longer. He is of the age of over 50, but he looks much younger. His cellular age is much younger. I got to connect with him in person at KetoCon 2023. He's a good dude. I love what he's doing out, out there with his book and his social media. 
So here is Zane Griggs. Hey, Zane, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate it. So much fun. Healthy AF. That's what your shirt says. That's your brand right there. Uh, let's talk about that. You know, First of all, before we talk about how to get healthy AF and kick ass after 50, which is the title of your new book, your backstory, man. You personal trainer, fitness model on the cover of magazines. Let's go back to that time in your life, how that transpired. And then what were the steps that got you toward more of what you're teaching now, which is more animal-based lifestyle. You know, you did some intermittent fasting in the past, not so much. I know you're really emphasizing sleep now, but let's go back to the steps that got you to where you are today. Wow. In my twenties, you know, I've been, I started lifting in college and it was, it, it was the nineties, you know I mean? Late eighties, early nineties. So it was like, we, we took junk, we ate whatever, you know, we were like junk supplements, ate food, you know, dirty bulking. I mean, yeah, it was big, but somewhere in my mid twenties, I started, well, I, I was modeling a little bit and I had to lean out and kind of start thinking about health. And there was a lot of uh, influence spending time in Europe and Miami. And it was, I found myself running into people and, and ask, always asking tons of questions, to people who were very health conscious. So I was like really looking at from a longevity standpoint, rather than a sports and performance kind of standpoint. I was never much of a jock, but for some reason I got locked on to longevity early in life. And I started playing with different diets. I mean, we didn't have the internet back then, you know, we, we couldn't all connect and, and read blogs yet. So it was just reading and asking people questions and experimenting trial and error. And I actually played with vegetarianism for a while, for a few years, you know, I was pretty, pretty rigid with that. Um, making my own almond milk because that wasn't in stores back then, blending up almonds and eating a lot of beans and rice and trying to get enough protein and just hungry all the time, razor thin, you know, couldn't, couldn't really put on muscle mass, played with juice fasting, week-long juice fasts and enemas and all that kind of stuff. That was kind of big in the 90s. And uh, of course, it's made a comeback, but it was just basically, you know, tinkering. I was a tinkerer and trying to figure out what was the ideal lifestyle and primarily diet for longevity to avoid disease. That was my intent, but I didn't have a lot of direction. So again, trial and error, I found myself pretty, pretty weak, kind of run down, getting sick actually um, with a virus that I, the doc said, basically, if, if you weren't on this vegetarian diet, your, your immune system probably would have been strong enough to shake this. But I think your immune system has been run down after three or three and a half years of being a vegetarian. And I was like, oh, well, maybe there's something to this. So I just added little, little fish, little eggs, little, little whey protein into my diet. And all of a sudden, three days later, I hadn't had coffee. I'd forgotten to drink coffee. So my energy level improved. I started feeling better. I was putting muscle back on. I'd always been working out, but it was just the diet had really affected my recovery and my energy level, my satiety. I was constantly hungry. And I realized, okay, okay, I've tried this experiment long enough. It's failed. <laughs> Take my lessons, move forward. And uh, began working at that point, around right that time, started working as a trainer. So at 98, I started working professionally as a trainer and really helping people to lose weight. And I realized that the standard recommendations that we all know, we've all heard for the last 50 years, uh, weren't really helpful for people trying to lose weight, especially if they were over 40. It was like, forget it. So I started, you know, again, tinkering, started looking deeper into other uh, diets and things I could do. And I realized early on, you know, saturated fat's not the demon that we made it out to be. And I was, I was eating whole eggs. I was eating meat. So I knew I wasn't afraid of saturated fat, but what was the lever that was going to help people lose weight? And uh, 2002, my wife had our 
third child at that point and was having a little issue shaking the weight and hadn't been an issue before, but you know, we were in her early thirties and um, she thought she'd try the Atkins diet. I'm like, why not go for it? Try it. Doesn't sound, doesn't sound too unhealthy. It's meat, a little bit of fruit, some fat, you know, give it a shot. And lo and behold, it worked. She started dropping weight like crazy. And, and, it, and it was immediate, like right after she started the diet, it just started falling off and nothing else had changed. She's doing, she had been working out before she'd been doing all the same things, but this diet was a lever that needed to be pulled. And of course, all my peers, my other training people I trained with and around at the time said, well, that's dangerous. That's a dangerous diet. Oh, you need carbs to survive. You need, your body needs carbs to live. And I said, but it's working <laughs> and there doesn't seem to be a downside and she's not hungry. So she, you know, she's maintaining her, you know, meal structure. She's uh, feeling better. Her energy levels up and she's losing weight, which was the initial intent. So I started implementing this with my clients at that point and, and really, you know, was effective. 2010 started playing with, with intermittent fasting. We're really experimenting with that uh, for, again, longevity, but realizing it would be very helpful for my clients for their satiety and for, for weight loss. And I still think that's a valuable tool that is you when used properly is effective again longevity and weight loss i was doing a lot of fasting fasted workouts low carb and as you mentioned earlier it's not that i i i've moved away from it i'm just not hitting it as hard as i used to because i noticed it started affecting my sleep and that could be a combination of the level of stress i was creating and my current age where something in my 40 early 40s i could have handled uh at 52 uh, maybe I need to watch all my stressors. And it's, I think we need to look at stress in our whole life completely. There's a time for things, but you know, uh, those kind of diets can cause a level of stress, which makes them effective. That's what causes us to, to burn fat and exercise as a stressor, uh, career, you know, stress, career growth, career, whatever it is you're going through that causes stress. Family stuff can cause stress. So all of our stressors affect our body our cortisol levels can affect our sleep. And so uh, I've made some corrections just to try to improve my sleep level, right? Improve my sleep or quality, I should say. And I try to say this in full disclosure. It's like, I'm not, I haven't got it all figured out. I try to remain intellectually curious. And when something changes, my body's always changing as I get older. Uh, I try to make adjustments, but I don't think the same tool <laughs> is always applicable to every circumstance and they need to be applied with wisdom and with um, where they're getting the results that you want. And if something isn't working, it's time to make an adjustment. But I really, I, I may be a little long-winded here, but that's that's kind of where I, I made that pathway to here in the last four or five years, really realizing how much nutrient density is in animal foods. So a lot of my low-carb journey and low carb recommendations it was you know lots of big you know big salads big vegetables and that and i thinking that's where most of our nutrient density would come from really discounting meat as a source of micronutrients or or eggs for that matter and realizing the last four or five years oh my gosh there's so much more bioavailability from things like especially beef liver or chicken livers um egg yolks I mean, but in general, the bioavailability of the nutrients that are in meat is much more available to our bodies and, and, and assimilated than many of the uh, vegetables we hold up as superfoods. And uh, shifting away from that, I found, oh my gosh, my digestion's better. I don't feel this weird bloat after I eat. And 
it's nice to to know I can keep learning <laughs> in my late forties and as I got into my fifties that there's still more to learn. There's still more to more more progress to make. But that's that's really been the the journey. And I don't think I've ever like felt better and more in line with my diet than I do now. In that it's giving me what I need, and I don't feel like I'm working that hard to stay consistent with it, uh, which is which is really cool. Like I don't miss stuff, you know. I don't miss things. That is the goal to reach that level of uh, of health. Uh, and I, there's lots to unpack there with your story that that we will unpack. You know, first of all being in the fitness space as you were, I, I was also in the fitness space. I was a personal trainer for many, many years and I used to own a, a CrossFit gym here in Miami. And I see that having a goal of longevity and, and disease prevention is very different than ha- having performance and fitness goals. Could you explain the difference and how they're not usually synonymous? Well, yeah. I mean, there's uh, many, unfortunately, fitness goals are driven by initially vanity, you know what I mean? Or the weight on the bar, which I would also consider to be vanity just on some level. I, I appreciate people who go out there and they're pushing it and that's their, that's their level of strength. That's what motivates them. But, you know, the weight on the bar doesn't always translate into longevity or what your blood work looks like or, you know, visceral fat uh, reduction uh, or fasting insulin improvement. It's and and performance many times uh, with your diet, you're eating in a way to improve your performance in the gym or performance with a certain sport. So you're really like high fuel. uh, You're rating it by a short term effect for that performance, which I understand. And for athletes, that's great. But for the general aging public, I don't think that's going to work. And so for longevity, you need to be thinking about how does what you're eating and what you're doing affect certain markers in your blood work, like your fasting insulin or the amount of visceral fat you're storing around your organs. How's it affecting your blood sugar, your blood pressure? Those are markers where I think we need to be bringing more into the forefront of fitness than the weight on the bar. You know, body body scans and blood work, body scans and blood work, right, should be superior to bikini bodies and, you know, your bench press. And so, that's the direction I went in and that's really the direction where I started. And it's easy to get, you know, your, your ego wrapped up in, you know, the kind of the, the weight you're moving or what you look like in a, in a swimsuit. And I don't think those things are, are bad. I just don't think they should be primary. I don't think they should be at the forefront. Exactly. You could have it all, right? You could have longevity and you could look great and get your personal records, your PRs, et cetera. But a lot of the time, especially in the fitness space, it's more of like getting as much weight on the, on the bar, maxing out your deadlift. And that doesn't necessarily equate to longevity. As a matter of fact, it could, it could do the opposite, right? We saw the last three years or so, a lot of these bodybuilders and CrossFit athletes got really sick with COVID because they looked great on the outside, but they were really inflamed on the inside. COVID came, they couldn't adapt to that. And it got them a lot. Some of them actually died because you can't just look at somebody from the outside, but you can have it all. That's the goal, right? And I know the book that you wrote is about that. It's like, you can have it all no matter what your age. There's a stinking thinking thought that just because you're 40 or 50 or whatever age, you can't get to this certain body fat or you can't be this strong or you can't look this way. And you're you know, putting a stop to all that. You're proving that that's not the case. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see Zane does not look like he's 52. 
honestly, I'm sure you hear that all the time. You look like you're maybe my age, 38 years old, or maybe turning 40, but definitely not in your 50s. So you are the right person to write a book like this. How did you have the idea? Why did you have the idea to write the book? How did it transpire? And how did you get Dr. Ken Berry to co-write it with you? You know, it was Ken's idea, believe it or not. And no one was more shocked than me when he asked me. He, he, it was 2020. We're all kind of like not really moving around a lot. There's not a lot of events going on. And I had him on uh, a podcast I had launched at that, that time, that year, actually. And he was my first kind of bigger, more notable person, more notable guest on there. And uh, he knew I was, I was about to turn 50 at that point. I was, I was just a couple of months from 50. And he just mentioned, would you want to write a book for guys like us who are over 50, who are, are at 50 about, you know, how to, how to maintain their health going and, and, and just because that's, it's missing. And so many books are written for women for sure. And, and that's, that's great. But we wanted to write something that was kind of for men to digest. In other words, it's, it's gotta be concise not too long, not overly detailed, explain what you need to explain to make sense, and then give them really simple steps they can put into place without overhauling their whole life, right? It's gotta work for a busy dad, a busy guy, career guy, who isn't trying to start a new, you know, part-time job in, you know, in his fitness regime, right? Uh, we're not trying to overturn his life. It's like, you can fit these into your current life and see exponential results, right? And with a goal, of one empowering him to take charge of his health because a lot of guys they go to the doc they have no idea what they're looking for they know they have a problem they know the doctor will have a problem but they wouldn't know how to fix it they just do what the doc tells them take this pill take this medicine and then yeah you know try to walk some more and eat some cereal right and it's like that's not effective and it's not empowering he doesn't understand what he's doing and so to really make individual an advocate for their own health, to empower them, to give them the knowledge they need to go to their doc and say, look, doc, I want to add these items to their, to my blood work, because I really think these are important to uh, see what's going on with my health and maybe prevent some things or explain to them why the standard guidelines are not going to work for him, why they were never meant to work for him because they've been hijacked by the processed food companies and they're, you're just basically being turned into a profit center for them by following those guidelines. And then give, again, back to simple steps about the three foundational elements of health, which is diet, exercise, and sleep. You get those in line <laughs> before you try anything else. And that's 80, 90% of the, the work is to get those at a place where you're managing those, okay? It's, and it can be very simple, but it was really empowering that guy, giving him something that's concise and talking in a way that the voice of the book is very guy talk, right? It's very straightforward. We're not pulling punches. We're not, you know, throwing softball pitches. It's like, buddy, you know, <laughs> you don't want to die on the couch with a clicker in your hand. You know, you need to basically get off your ass and start doing something to manage your own health. Stop being a victim. And you don't have to really let off the gas at this point in your life, just because you're over 50 or you're having a few health issues. This is the time when you could, if you really take charge, you could add 10 or 15 years of work life to this career that you've developed, where you have all this wisdom experience and, and influence that you've created. Why would you let that go? Or you can pour more into your family or the thing, the passions, whatever, whatever it is you want to accomplish with this last, you know, 
half, quarter of your life, whatever, whatever you got left, make an impact. Don't die the slow death of useless retirement on the couch with a, with a remote in your hand. And you know, you, you've got, you've got assets we need, put yourself in a physical condition to put those to work. So important. I, I love that. That's the message because it's so important, not just for men, but for women, but in particular, yeah. in, you know, in this case for men out there, because you're right, you know, a lot of people are, have the mindset. They've been brainwashed to believe that once you reach the 50, let's call it, everything's downhill. We see that growth hormone drops, testosterone drops, you lose mitochondria, you lose uh, melatonin production. It's like, yeah, that's for the average person who's not implementing the things that you teach in your book. And it's the three foundations. You talk about diet, you talk about exercise, and you talk about sleep. Let me ask you this question. Out of those three foundations, which one would you say is the most important? Sleep, nutrition, or exercise? For sure, diet. I wouldn't ever say that to the, I wouldn't say diet to the exclusion of one of those other two, but I would say start with your diet. Put that in place first. It's something you do every day. Yes, you sleep every day, but you know, diet is what you do every day. It's a conscious effort and it's where you start balancing your hormones out. And if you start balancing out those metabolic hormones, then it's going to make the other habits you put into place much more effective and much more simple to manage because that's where you start, you know, improving your, your blood sugar levels and and improving your, your insulin sensitivity is with diet. And if you start exercising, what's that going to do? Most people, they're going to get hungrier. They're already hungry throughout the day because they're eating poorly and they start exercising, they get more hungry. Well, if they're more hungry, they're going to eat more crappy food. So let's get the diet in place first get your eating schedule down, and then start working in the exercise to compound the effect of the diet and managing your sleep schedule, again, to help with the hormone balance. But I would never say to the exclusion of, I'm just focus on diet. No, start with diet. And then you cannot leave out sleep or, or movement, at, especially at this point in your life. Yeah, you make, a, you make a fair point. They're all connected. I would personally say sleep just because uh, I think uh, you're right and I agree with you. But the reason I would choose sleep over nutrition and exercise is because here's my thought process. I could eat like crap for a month and yeah, I won't feel that great because I'm eating crap, but I could not exercise for a month and not feel great. But if I don't sleep for a month, I can't function, right? <laughs> That's my argument. Well, true. But yes, to yeah. your point, it's like, you're right. We're going to be moving more, so we're going to be hungrier, and then we got to make better decisions with nutrition, which will actually help with, with sleep. And we're kind of arguing semantics here. They're all connected, right? So we got to focus on all these foundations and then all the other like biohacking things and supplements, all that will work better if you choose to go that route if the foundations are built strong, that health, house of health. Hey, when was the last time you bit into a juicy burger or a perfectly cooked steak and thought to yourself, This is the best thing I've ever tasted. If it's been a while, it's probably because most meat products are conventionally raised, which not only affects the flavor profile, but significantly diminishes the beneficial nutrients and minerals. And believe it or not, even products that are labeled as grass-fed or ethically raised to make you think they're high quality are often finished on grain or in factory farms, which is why I am so excited to share something with you today that will not only help you avoid the hormones, antibiotics, and pesticide residues that diminish the taste of conventionally raised meat, but could also save you nearly $1,000 over the next year on your grocery bill. And the best part? 
this may be the best tasting thing you've had in a long time. So what the heck am I talking about? I'm talking about Wild Pastures Meat Delivery. They provide the highest quality meats from small, regenerative, family-run farms here in the United States that prioritize sustainability and animal welfare. Their beef is 100% grass-fed. Their pork and poultry are pasture-raised, something you won't find anywhere in the grocery store, resulting in meats that are not only healthier for you, but also better for the environment. One of the reasons why me and my fiance Natasia loves wild pastures is that we can opt out out of supporting harmful conventional farming practices and instead support small family-run farms without spending a fortune. And the convenience doesn't stop there. They offer delivery straight to your door so you can enjoy delicious, high-quality meats without even leaving your house. No matter where you are in the lower 48 states, Wild Pastures has got you covered. Not only is this the most convenient way to get your meat products, but Wild Pasture meats are better for you nutritionally, and they're higher in the total nutrients, phytonutrients, antioxidants, key fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, proteins, and amino acids. And today, for keto campers, for a limited time, you can get 20% off every box plus free shipping for life and $15 off your first box. This is a crazy deal, and I hope you take advantage of it. So make the switch to Wild Pastures today and save nearly $1,000 on your grocery bill while feeling healthier and enjoying the best-tasting meats of your life. All you need to do is go to the link in the podcast notes down below. Everything is already applied. All you got to do is click that link, customize your order, and you'll have some delicious, healthy-tasting meats very soon. Head to the podcast notes down below, click the link, enjoy your wild pastures. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. So let's dive into each foundation, right? Nutrition. I know that um, there's keto, there's carnivore. I teach more, you know, going in and out of ketosis, which I call keto flexing. You're kind of similar to me from last, you know, I've, I've, I was studying getting ready for the interview. Last I heard is that you're more animal based, meaning you're not strict carnivore, me either, but primarily you're eating more animal-based and then sometimes you'll have like some fruit or some sweet potatoes. Is that what you currently follow personally? That's what I follow personally. And that's because I'm, I'm lean. I'm maintaining. I don't have any blood sugar markers. My, my markers look great uh, as far as fasting insulin is like between two and three. You know, I mean, I, I feel that is what I use to recover. And it's and I'm, I'm managing that to help my wit to see how my sleep responds. If I were coaching someone who was trying to reverse something, whereas weight loss, some sort of insulin resistance, I would not tell them to do exactly what I do. I think to turn something around, you've got to step on the gas a little more. You've got to be a little more rigid, I guess, is a good way to say it, or more consistent with certain, you know, more strict in order to turn that ship around in a way that makes so that you can see changes at a pace at which you can see changes and feel like, okay, what you're doing is, is effective. If you go my way, it's going to be a little bit, you know, what I'm doing currently at maintenance level might be a little bit slower for you. Although compared to the way most people eat, it's still pretty low carb. It would still be effective. But I, when I start making changes with people, I don't say here, eat the way I eat. I look at what they're doing now and I start moving in the direction of as low a carb as possible and really increasing the protein intake, not worried about fat amount as much, unless like we have to, but worry about fat quality, like where the source of that fat is. 
to make sure that the quality of their food is improving. They're not eating throughout the day, right? They're not constantly grazing. And to um, get the satiety taken care of with the protein and the fat. And I realize that not everybody's going to like go 180 degrees, you know, turn their whole diet around instantly. So I try to make, you know, changes at a, like I said, at a pace that allows people to see the effect while still moving them forward. But, but yes, you, I mean, so I hope that's not too long winded, but I think carnivore and keto are some of the best tools you can use dietarily to change your health. If you're trying to turn something around, whether it's weight loss, insulin resistance, uh, autoimmune, any number of other issues that w- from gut health to metabolic health, you can't find a better tool. You can't find a more effective tool than that. Now, you may not stay there your whole life and you may not stay there. You may find ways to, like you do, you say intermittently go in and out of it, but that's your best tool. So use that as often as possible to, to turn something around and then and then find what works for you. But at the, by, by and large, animal-based nutrition make most of your plate animal-based protein and fat. Anything else you add should be whole food. And then judge that based on your goals, your metabolic health, and how well you, how well you digest that, that food. But I mean, whole food is the standard. The processed food is what's killing us. And the, the more of that you have in your, in your life, in your diet, the less effective your diet's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. And I see your shirt says seed oil free. That's, that's you know, seed oils are processed. It's a perfect example. You want to avoid that. So you've been eating saturated fat, pretty much meat, animal-based for many, many years. Last time you did a calcium score, which is measuring the calcium in your arteries, what was the score? Zero. <laughs> that doesn't make sense, Zane. You've been eating saturated fat and cholesterol. And, and for the right, that was like a, that was about 14 months ago. So it was 51. I started, I mean, I was eating three or four eggs a day pretty consistently for about 20 years, you know, from, from my thirties, you know, and now it's primarily just, it's just a lot of meat, like a, a, at least a pound and a half, two pounds of meat is usually the goal per day. So yeah, zero calcium score. My insulin level doesn't seem to be causing, creating diabetes in me either, which some, I don't know how that got added as a, as a downside of eating meat, but somehow people seem to associate diabetes with, with eating meat, but it's, it's, there's nothing could be further from the truth. My fasting insulin is between two and three, you know, depending on the, on the pull, on the draw, but yeah, zero, zero plaque at 51. So, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I'm pretty happy with that. That's the goal, the, the power of zero, right? We want a zero. Right. So uh, what were your, did you get your cholesterol and LDL done? Do you remember what that was? Yeah, my LDL is on the higher side for sure. It's like with the low carb diet, it's definitely uh, probably 200, 212. But that's a total, right? It's not not the particle sizes, right? You're t- you're saying that's your total. oh, that's not the particle. Yeah. No, 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 I didn't do not the particle. Yeah. No, that's the that's the LDLC. Got it. Yeah, so the total count, and then your your total cholesterol. What was that? Do you remember? It can vary. Total cholesterol could be, you know, somewhere between two fifty and two eighty. Yeah, the reason I ask you that is because according to like the standard reference range, you're high on both of that, right? Like your doc, a, a traditional doctor would say, oh, an LDL over 200, like that's dangerous. We might want to consider putting you on a statin. Oh, he'd be chasing me down the street with a yeah, statin. He'd be I would, so I, con- I, so yeah, so concerned. You're, gonna, you're about to have a heart attack, Zane, right? And then you go and do a calcium score, which is pretty much the ultimate test to see if you are at risk. And lo and behold, it's a zero. So how does a doctor explain that? It's like, oh, you're just an anomaly. They'll say it's a miracle. I don't know what they'll say, some sort of excuse. But 
I ask that because I think it's important for people listening to go get a calcium score. Like if your doctor is pushing a statin on you because you're doing keto or carnivore and your LDLs up or your total cholesterols up and you are actually concerned, like go get a calcium score, but also look at your HDL, look at your triglycerides. What was that for you? Was it a good, good ratio? HDL, yeah, it was. And HDL is usually, it's not super high, but it's like between, you know, 50 to 65. So it's in a healthy range. Uh, triglycerides generally under 100. And I think that's, you know, that could be depending on stress level and so forth like that. But I, I think, yeah, I'm not worried about myself metabolically. I think the I think the biggest things for that to look at would be, like I mentioned earlier, the, the, the calcium s- score to show that's your progress or what's ha- what's been happening. And then in current, in real time, look at your fasting insulin. If you're not metabolically unhealthy, why are you worried about LDL? If, or look at, you know, you can look at some inflammation markers if you want, but heart disease is a result of inflammation. And I think we see, you know, an oxidized LDL could be a, a factor in that, but generally it's, it's assault on the artery, which then creates plaque right? Because if you have assault on the arteries, the inflammation, your body's trying to patch that up with plaque. Well, if I don't have plaque, then for some reason, my body doesn't feel there's any reason to start patching up any inflammation in my arteries. So, and I've got enough cholesterol to do it. If I want it, I got plenty to go around. Uh, I defer to use it, you know, for making hormones and, and brain matter, you know? So I just kind of shrug and I'm like if you want to keep believing that doc if you if you're open-minded i got some studies to show saturated fat is it's not an issue and ldlc is not an issue and uh and meanwhile there's a japanese study you're probably familiar with that where they showed the healthiest cholesterol scores that they found at it was at the school jishi school uh in in japan it was like 220 to 240 uh, you know was was the ideal range for for men or for i guess for humans um for their cholesterol was that was the ideal range 220 to 40 again that would that would give a cardiologist a heart attack but <laughs> you know but we don't want to recognize that we don't want to recognize these things but there has our, as i said earlier our our medical research and our nutrition guidelines have been hijacked that's right yeah you're right a conventional cardiologist will see that and they'll be concerned but they would pat you on the back if your cholesterol is under 200 if it was 180 and that's more that is actually a problem. Low cholesterol is more of a problem than high cholesterol. And there was a Harvard study that came out, I think 2008, that showed people who have heart disease actually have normal to low cholesterol than high cholesterol. People are having heart attacks. with It's a problem. It's, blo- it's blocking nitric oxide. It's interfering with, you said, brain matter, sex hormones. It's like cholesterol is so important. It's, it's so ridiculous that we're still having to have this conversation, isn't it? Because the research is there. But to your point, it's been hijacked by big pharma, big food, the government. So, you know, usually what the government's telling you to eat, uh, it's the complete opposite. So they tell you to eat Lucky Charms and don't, don't eat meat. It's the complete opposite. Eat meat, don't eat Lucky Charms. You're pretty fit. I mean, what is your, what is your body fat percentage? Do you know what it is currently? You know, I did a scan last year, last August. Um, it can vary a little bit from winter to summer just because of what I'm doing or being out or what, how I eat. But, you know, it's it's usually right around 11. It's lean. I mean, and, and if you, so it depends on what, you, what you're looking at. I mean, there's such a variation of machines. I could go to like three different machines, get three different numbers. I mean, there's there were some machines that, that was in a local gym where you kind of sit on a little biometric thing. It was telling me four or five percent. Well, I, I knew I wasn't four or five, four or five percent. I was lean. I wasn't four or five percent. So I went, I got a DEXA. 
uh, instead of for the bone density, they use the, the version that's for your your body fat. And uh, whereas a lot of people would look at me and say, okay, you look like you're seven or eight or nine. Well, that's based on that concept of, you know, using these biometrics that really aren't that, in my opinion, that accurate. But with a DEXA, 11%, seven ounces of visceral fat, so less than half a pound of visceral fat. I'm pretty happy with that. You know, I, I think we need to re rethink the body fat thing because visceral fat, to me, is so much more important than the subcutaneous fat. Subcutaneous fat may not look as pretty, but hormonally, it's it really doesn't have that much of an impact on our health until you get to a, a level where you're you're really overweight or obese. But the visceral fat, you could be pretty lean and have a significant amount of visceral fat that could be impacting your, your liver's ability to manage blood sugar. It can affect your kidneys and your blood pressure, heart, of course. And you just don't want that much visceral fat building up. That is hormonally active. I mean, it can affect your testosterone levels, like lower them. And so I think we need to shift our focus away from this you know, like we said, vanity metric of body fat being so important. And let's let's look at visceral fat as much more of a metric of health. Yeah, so true. That's why you always hear people say, oh, but I have a friend who eats whatever they want and they're so skinny. They might have a whole bunch of visceral fat. They're just packing it around their organs, which to your point is arguably more dangerous than packing around your, you know, your face and your arms. Asian population usually have that genetic variation where they are packing it more visceral fat so they're tofies, right? Thin on the outside, fat on the inside, but they develop you know, these metabolic syndromes faster, even though they're, they look skinnier, but all their fat's going to their organs. And that is a problem. So that's a great idea because that'll give you an idea of how much fat you have around those organs. Absolutely. Exactly. You mentioned testosterone. I know that there are different thoughts surrounding testosterone in men. Uh, and mine has kind of, it continuously changes and evolves as I like look at things and explore different options. But you know, a lot of men, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, so I'm, I'm going to be curious to hear your thoughts, but a lot of men of like 40, 50, even now in their 30s are looking to get testosterone injections because their testosterone is low. So they're taking it. And of course, when you start taking it, you tend to have to take it for the rest of your life and you pay attention to the you know, levels accordingly. What are your thoughts on testosterone injections? Is there a time and place for it? Do you currently do it? What are your thoughts on it in general? I think it has a place in that, especially as we get older, you know, you want to maximize diet, lifestyle, you know, lifestyle changes. So lifestyle, diet, exercise, and sleep to improve that as much as possible. And I think when you're talking about guys in their thirties or even their early forties, most of them could have a great deal of impact on their testosterone levels just with lifestyle. At some point, once you get past, you know, late forties to fifties, you could be optimizing all of your lifestyle habits and still have a testosterone, a free testosterone level in the single digits. And there's not much more you can do to improve it. You might be able to improve it, what, 10, 20% here and there, depending on what you do. But that's, you know, go from a six to an eight. It's not really that impactful. And at that point, I think you need to look at what your, what the symptoms are. Uh, it should not be about gym gains or muscle or vanity. What happens when testosterone is low is is much more about personal drive, libido, your creativity, brain fog, your ability to focus. These things are what really you notice when testosterone is low. And most people, by the time you get to 48, 50, something like that, you know, the, 
the gym gains shouldn't be as important, you know, but they still want to show up for their job, for their career, for the family and have that energy to really, like I said before, put all that experience and wisdom to work. So at that point, the guy's got a decision to make. I think one of the, the downsides is there's a lot of docs who don't know how to manage it. They don't understand it. And if you're going to go that route, I would find someone who's really good at managing that, whether it's a functional doc or so a doctor who's really puts the time to understand this and learn this. It's not something she should, people should just be, you know, throwing. there's a lot of docs who, who only, they'll, for instance, they'll test for total testosterone and say, oh, it looks fine, but they won't look at the free. And there's a lot of other things going on in your or chemistry. Or there's that like can hormone binding free. globulin either. They exactly. Won't yeah. yeah. Hormone binding globulin, cortisol levels, all those can affect your free T. And I think, I mean, I have, um, I think probably about half of my clients, male and female, are on uh, some sort of hormone replacement therapy. Uh, most of them are in their, those that are over 45, let's say in their 50s and 60s. And it's been a game changer for them. I hate that there's so much stigma about it. And more of the stigma seems to be around guys. I mean, you wouldn't tell a woman who's been through menopause that you shouldn't have hormone replacement therapy. There's no reason for you to have progesterone and estrogen and, and, and testosterone supplemented just because it makes you feel better. Meanwhile, her gynecologist is probably more likely to give her an antidepressant when she starts reporting of these same symptoms. And I've had that happen. I've had that happen to a client. I had someone uh, once tell my wife the same thing several years ago. Oh, you're just, you know, and it's menopausal symptoms. They want to throw an antidepressant at it. Well, how about we find some bioidentical hormones, get levels back up to where they were maybe when they were in their 30s and see how they feel then. And suddenly like, it's like a light comes on and they feel amazing. And they're back to their old selves. It's like, okay, they're more optimistic. They have more drive and focus and those, and libido. Again, all these things are important to really make life worth living. But I, I don't think it should ever be, and we say this in the book, it should ever be a substitute for poor lifestyle choices. You should never try to mask your lifestyle choices with hormone replacement therapy get those in place do as much as you can or while you're while you're doing that but don't i've seen that happen too and it doesn't it doesn't really change much you get guy can be on hormone replacement therapy but if he doesn't change his diet or cut back on the alcohol or start trying to start moving get some decent sleep he's just you know a metabolically unhealthy probably overweight guy with more testosterone he's not turning into a bodybuilder. This is not bodybuilder stuff. This is not steroids. Bodybuilders look at what we would use in the dosage amounts, especially from, from hormone replacement therapy or testosterone therapy as almost like junk. Like it's, it's not effective. You're not, that's not what your goals are. It's not what you're after. And so I think changing the stigma, changing the conversation around hormone replacement therapy is something that it's another biohack. It's one of those things where you add on to a healthy lifestyle because you've gotten to the point in your life where your body's saying, you don't need to reproduce children anymore. So we're just gonna like, we don't need this stuff so much. And if, but if you wanna keep producing in other areas of your life, in your career, with your family, it can be helpful. I'm not saying everybody needs it, but if you think about where you are with that, have a good conversation with your with your provider and what your symptoms are, and, and it might be a good fit. Uh, so as far regarding myself, I did find that I, my testosterone, I was lean, muscular, I was probably 6'2", 195, 198 pounds lean. I didn't have any vanity goals. I was quite happy with 
where my fitness was. And I mean, I was intermittent fasting, I'm eating low carb, I'm, I'm eating plenty of protein. Felt great, optimized in all other areas. Fasting sun was great, of course, no plaque, but my testosterone was at six NG DL. So not to, there's, there's two ways they measure testosterone and they're a decimal point apart. So you wanna make, it's like, the, so it's at six. That's pretty darn low. Single digits is not, is not great. And when I realized talking to the doc what some of the symptoms were, I thought, oh, oh yeah. Because for guys, like for women, when their test, when their hormones drop, it's almost like they fall off a cliff. Like over the, within a year or two, their hormones just go from eh to like doom. they just fall. Guys, it's a really slow decline. From about 35, 40 years old, it's like this really slow, and we almost don't notice it until we're down in this rut and we'll look up like man, how is that guy still doing that? How is this guy running circles around me? Why is this 35 year old like zipping around doing all these things? And I'm just trying to like stay focused past three o'clock. So I made the decision to start supplementing testosterone. Wow. Like opened up my mind to just more energy, more creativity. I started trying to, you know, basically thinking about other ways I could leverage my career and my knowledge. And, and it just, you know, I just felt better relationships, feel better. You're not as run down. You're not as grumpy. Sleep got Im- got improved. I may have put on all th- everything else being the same. Like my lifestyle didn't really change as far as diet and, and fitness goes. I put on 10 pounds. Okay. So it's not like I just blew up, but it was 10 pounds. So full disclosure in that, it, that was not my motivation. My motivation wasn't gym gains. It wasn't more muscle. I was happy. It was all the other things that come with testosterone that just make you more human, more a more engaged, hard-driving human. Yeah, it was a great explanation. I think that there's a lot of misconceptions around hormone replacement therapy. I agree with you. There's a time and place and there's a right way to do it, but you got to make sure you're you know, monitoring your numbers. But you explore that route, to your point, Zane, after you've already optimized those three pillars, right? Diet, exercise, and, and sleep. And then you could see if this makes sense or not. I think where a lot of people get into trouble is that they don't do the work. They just rely on taking the hormones and you're not going to get the results you're seeking if you're not actually doing the work and eating an anti-inflammatory diet, getting the seed oils out, getting your sleep, getting your movement in. Then if you decide to take it and monitor your numbers, you get to maximize that. But there's also you know, this conversation that needs to be had that the levels of testosterone in your blood on your, on your lab test is one thing but then is it actually getting into your cells, right? How is your sensitivity to the hormone, right? Is it, are your cells actually hearing? It? And that's where inflammation comes into play. If your cells are inflamed, I don't care if somebody takes a whole bunch of testosterone and they have optimized blood work, they're not going to get the benefit and feel all the benefits of actually somebody with high testosterone because they're so inflamed. So somebody could have arguably lower levels of testosterone, let's say a guy in their 40s, but their cells are really healthy. They don't have a lot of inflammation. They could have the same benefit of somebody with higher testosterone and higher inflammation, meaning if they're sensitive to the hormone of testosterone, even though it's lower, they'll get a good effect. But it boils down to the inflammation, right? It's like, how much inflammation do you have? But after you've explored all these routes, then you could decide, all right, this is something I'm going to go on. But I think a lot of guys, especially, take the easy route. I can't tell you how many guys I start working with and I ask them, you know, what are you taking? And it's like testosterone, testosterone. They could be 32 or 42, but 
they haven't done the things to optimize their, their lifestyle. I'm like, oh my gosh. Hey, Keto Camper. There's something that I do every single day to supercharge my mitochondria to help with inflammation and soreness from a workout. And that is the use of red light therapy. This is called photobiomodulation. And there's a ton of research that shows the benefits of near-infrared and red light therapy. The red light therapy that I use is from Bon Charge. I simply use it 10 to 20 minutes per day. It has both near-infrared and red light. And every single day when I use this, I feel ready to take on my day. So whether you're dealing with gut pain, joint inflammation, or you want to just supercharge your mitochondria, get your hands on a quality red light therapy device. And I highly recommend the one from Bon Charge. They hooked you all up for being a Keto Camp podcast listener with a 15% off coupon code. All you need to do, check out this product and all the wonderful products they have available is to go to bondcharge.com slash ketocamp and use the coupon code ketocamp at checkout to save 15% off your order. We will drop that link and coupon code in the podcast notes. Go check it out. And let's get right back to this episode. And it's unfortunate because there's a gentleman in the health space. I'm not going to name him, but he's really popular and he has like a concept where he like ships out kits to people. And in the kit is like testosterone injections and iron supplements. It's like, this is not something we just send out to the masses. It's like something you work with an individual and monitor their numbers. It's, it's unfortunate that it's so readily available that people just use it, not seeing all the cons of just taking testosterone. Oh my gosh, no, it needs to be monitored. You need blood work to make sure that anytime you make a change like that, there's always a ripple effect in other areas. So um, you're going to feel better. But again, it should not be just a Band-Aid. You're not handing out aspirin here. This is a bioidentical hormone and you're about, you're about to increase it to a level, ideally, maybe where you were 20 years younger. And I, I would have a hard time seeing a 30 something year old take this, you know, as supplement, unless you'd been through a lot of other measures first to make sure that for whatever reason, he's got hypogonadism, like he's got a specific case. That's an exception, not the rule, right? He's got a specific problem. Women too can come across, you know, you have women who just go into early menopause for whatever reason, it could be a multiple, you know, factors there with, with lifestyle or something that's trauma, who knows what else has happened to them. There are always those exceptions. And I, I don't want to like say anything that said, that's like, you're wrong, or you shouldn't do that. Because we all have to live in our own bodies. And we don't need to judge what other people do to make sure they feel like they, we don't know how long we're on this planet. What are you waiting for? You know, <laughs> make the most of of this body. And that's why I, I feel that about, you know, diet, exercise and sleep, same thing. But I mean, at some point, your quality of life is important. And if you've done everything else you can with your lifestyle and there's just, you're still, you know, something's missing, find the least invasive way to impact that. And to me, I think hormone replacement therapy that is you're using bioidentical hormones to get you up to a level, again, where you would have may have been at a healthy as a healthy 30, 35 year old, that's far better than having to take blood pressure meds or blood sugar regulation, insulin. I mean, people talk about as if it's cheating, right? I'm cheating age. I'm cheating disease. I'm cheating an early death. Okay. I'm cheating an extension in my career because I feel like I just want to keep going. I just want to keep making an impact into my seventies. 
call me a cheater, but I'm cheating age. And that's what I've been all about. And so it's, again, I, I don't, uh, if someone chooses, doesn't choose that route, good, God bless you, have at it. But I, to me, to be optimal, I felt like I wanted to raise that testosterone level into the double digits. I respect that. Yeah, I do. I respect that. You know, you're, you're, I wouldn't call it cheating. I would call it optimizing your health and there's a time and place for it. You're doing it responsible. That's the way to do it. You know, that's the whole point. Like you do it responsible when it makes sense after you've done everything else. You know, your book just came out kicking ass after 50. I know it's written for men, but ladies out there who are probably listening or watching, like you have relationships with men, right? So understanding them better this would be a good book for you as well. Do you want to add more to that, Jane? Well, I mean, this it applies to you might if I hold it up here. So this is what it looks like. If you yeah, look there on you Amazon, yeah, kicking ass after 50. And it says it's a guide for men. And I had a lot of women. What about us women? Look, every principle in here regarding diet, exercise, and sleep applies to humans. Okay. <laughs> it applies to humans. It's for, it, can, it applies to women. We have the chapter at the end that's about testosterone. But guess what? That applies to hormones across the board. Whatever a guy would do to optimize his testosterone would work for optimizing any sex hormone. And that's basically putting these the plan of diet, exercise, and sleep in place. And... You know, it's just written, like I said before, in guy talk. It's very straight, tough talk. I won't say locker room, but it's very guy to guy. And so if, if ladies, if that doesn't bother you, then by all means, you know, read the book because all the, everything applies. It, it, we go into the science with, with diet, with seed oils, you know, about why those are dangerous and why what, how they became part of our uh, food system. And we show the correlation between the, the entry of the seed oils and processed food in general, processed sugars, processed grains, and correlate that with the introduction of, of the metabolic disease in our system with heart disease, which is a fairly new thing since the uh, 20th century. Obesity was 1% in 1900. We're at 42 now. Type 2 diabetes was, I mean, they say it discovered in the 1930s, didn't track until the 50s. Well, that's when all this processed food came into our system. Right, we were we were eating beef and butter and bacon and eggs long before we had these diseases. We didn't have these diseases. We didn't have obesity. So that's really the point. And the back of the book is full of studies. I've got about fifty pages of studies that reinforce what we're saying here because these are studies that don't make it in the mainstream. They don't reinforce the standard guidelines. So as a resource for people, even if they might know this, it's a resource for them to say, "Hey, oh, take their doc." or take to their dad, or take to that know-it-all college kid, if you're my age, and say, yeah, no, 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 vegetarian, no, not vegetarian diet, animal protein is the best source of protein for you. Yeah, animal protein, or saturated fat is not causing heart disease. These seed oils that you're eating in every restaurant, the canola, all that, 50 studies on these seed oils, they are correlate with, associated with disease. So it's a resource. It's written in a font you can actually read. It's not little tiny things. And it has the, the links to it. And it has a little summary in each one. So it's, I want it to be, we want it to be a resource for people. It's just, we said for men, because you know, you gotta, you wanna niche a little bit. You wanna say, okay, guys, here's something. It's concise. It's easy to put in a place. We're talking it's straight talk here. And that's what guys want. That's what guys will wanna consume. But it's certainly all the information applies to men, women, all ages. Yeah, and uh, uh, Dr. Kate Shanahan wrote the foreword, and she's a you know a friend a friend of the show. We love her. So speaking of seed oils, she's like the master to give you an idea of the seed oils history. 
So it's a great resource. So if you're if you're a lady, you might want to pick it up and read it yourself. Buy it for somebody you know who's a guy. Even if you're, uh, you know, it's uh, I'm in my th- 30s, but it's still a valuable resource for me because I plan on getting to 50, right? And I want to kick ass after 50. So I I'm thankful that you and uh, Dr. Ken Berry got together to write the book. Yeah, we, I recommend starting as early as possible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't wait till you're 50. <laughs> you know, it's like start. It's a lot easier if you start now and kind of stay consistent over the years to, to maintain that. Uh, we start paying for the sins of our 20s and 30s when we hit 50. It's like, you know... You, so yeah. true. Yeah, Einstein said intellectuals solve problems, geniuses prevent them, right? So let's be a genius. Let's prevent these problems down the line. Uh, last question for you, Zane, is uh, around my favorite supplement in the world that I talk about all the time, which is uh, boost testosterone, lower your insulin, help you with brain fog, and it's called vitamin G. I call it vitamin G because it's vitamin gratitude, the practice of gratitude and all the benefits that come with it. So my question to you is, what are you uh, grateful for today? What's the vitamin G dose you want to take today? Oh, man. Oh, wow. That's big. You know, I am I am very grateful that uh, I wrote this book with Kim. That was, that was an opportunity. But really, uh, I have to say, I'm grateful for, and this always kind of gets to me, my family and my wife, because that's what's driven me to keep going forward, to want to make an impact, to make change. And it's just the motivation to not be all about me, but to really affect, help others. I could be a, I could be a totally self-absorbed, just say, Hey, it's just about me being healthy, but that's not, that's not fulfilling. And so I, I could say it's the, the act or the act or the life I've had with my family, with my wife over the last um, 25 years that uh, has made me just a, a better human. And I'm thankful for it. It's awesome. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's definitely something to be grateful for, man. What? Where's the best place to get your book and go check out more of your work? The book's on Amazon. Uh, it's an ebook and uh, paperback, as you saw. We're going to be working on an Audible very soon. I think by some somewhere in the in summer, we're going to get an Audible knocked out with both of us uh, reading from it, oh, adding oh, a little brilliant, banter. Brilliant, brilliant idea. Yeah, both of us discussing things, you know, so above the text. So, so in addition to the text. I'm most active on Instagram at, at Zane Griggs Fitness, but if you just want to find where my various, uh, depending on what your your social media of choice is, just go to zanegriggs.com and you'll see Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is your your thing is. If I have it, that's the where I'm talking. It's on there. So. We're gonna yeah, zanegriggs.com. We're gonna put that down below. Go get the book. I'm glad you're doing the Audible and reading it with Ken because I like when authors read their own books. When I first, I narrated mine, um, Keto Flex, the first book that I narrated for Audible. And it was quite the project, man. It was really challenging and so worth it though. Like, because I think that the audience really appreciates that and, and prefers that the author would read their own book. So I know that I do as a listener. So I'm glad you're going to do it with Ken. So stay tuned for that. It'll be available on Audible too. You could get Ken's nice accent in that book. (laughs) I'm sure you both are going to have fun going back and forth. So Zane, I appreciate you. I acknowledge you and uh, your dedication to help people, not just men, but the world. Congrats on the book. Thank you for coming show. Thank you, Ben. It's an honor. Appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Zane Griggs. 
Go get his book, Kicking Ass After 50. We'll drop a link for it down below. He wrote that with, of course, Dr. Ken Berry, which we already spoke about. Go follow him on social media. We'll put his links and references and social media down below. Share this episode with a friend. Consider leaving the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and a review. Go check out my 90-day detox program. We have a handful of spots left open for it over at ketocampdetox.com. If you want to watch the video version of today's interview with Zane and actually see how young he looks, go to youtube.com slash keto camp. Thank you for spending part of your day with Zane and myself. Love and appreciate you. I've got vitamin G for you. I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.